You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Just visiting this morning, you and that word liberal kind of was like, ah, right, like freaked you out. Don't worry. Uh, we kind of have a, a definition that, um, that, that we're going with, and it's found in the Webster Dictionary. And the definition is this, to be marked by generosity marked by generosity. If there was ever a word that would, uh, that, that describes who Jesus is, it is a man who was marked by generosity. And he was marked by generosity. He was marked by generosity with, with, with in areas that really mattered, specifically people. And so last week we, we looked at how Jesus was generous with random strangers. He lived beyond himself with strangers. And this week we're, we're going to kick off week two. And I want to start with a passage of Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. If you got your Bibles, if you don't got your Bibles, it's okay. It's on the screen behind me. And here's what it says. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He, he being Jesus, he called the little child to him and he placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of his child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. I love that. Jesus said, whoever is like this child is not the least, is not mediocre, is not the middle, but the greatest. I've got one more verse for you. Found in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 7. Now Samuel, Samuel was a young boy. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. This morning, I want to talk to you briefly from this subject, the value in the future. The value in the future. I'm going to pray one more time, and I promise we're going to get started. Jesus, I thank you for what you've done already in this place. Father, right now, I want to speak specifically to our hearts. Jesus, you said that the word is only as good as our heart. so right now, I ask that you would just give us good ground for our heart, that the word, the seed that comes forth, that it would fall on good ground. God, that the seed would produce a harvest so that we can be changed, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. We love you so much. Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 So I'm about to tell you something that I feel like I probably shouldn't. Just because we live in Sonoma County, the land of oatmeal and oats and oils and all kinds of other things that just don't make sense to me. But I'm going to tell you. So, and God's working on me. God's working on me. I need the preface with that. Uh, I've never been big on recycling. 
Oh, there we go. There we go. I was waiting for that. I've never been big on recycling. Honestly, I just, I've never understood it. I don't ever remember my parents emphasizing it. You see, I just shifted the blame right there. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember, like, to me, it feels like a big propaganda thing, right? Like, like, do our job, right? Like, that's what it feels like for me. So I'm not big on recycling. A lot of people, for those of you, you've come over my house and you, you drink uh, like a sparkling, we love sparkling waters. Hey, how bougie is that? We love uh, sparkling waters. And, um, and so uh, everyone's like, hey, so do you recycle? And I'm going to repent right now because I'm always like, yeah, yeah, just put it right there. We'll, we'll put it away eventually. <laughs> Guys, it's never found its way in the recycling bin. I'm sorry. Forgive me. So I've just never been big on recycling until recently. Uh, my son, my kids, they all go to school in Sonoma County, and so they're learning the ways of, right, of Sonoma County. And, uh, they were <laughs> and, and they were doing Earth Week. You guys ever heard of Earth Week? Like, Earth Week's like a big deal, right? It's like, it's an opportunity to, like, honor Mother Nature and all this other cool stuff. And, and so, uh, so, Earth Week was happening, and they were teaching my kids about uh, saving the planet and pollution and, um, like, whatever other things, like, they do. And it was just, it was like this all, like, really, like, Whole Food sponsored week moment, right? And, um, and, and, and so my son comes home. He comes home. And he asked me this. He said, Daddy, why don't you recycle? And I said, why don't you mind your own business? No, I didn't, I didn't say. I was thinking that, though, right? Like, I, I was like, get out of my house. Right? You're, you are now. You have now. Anyways. He's like, Dad, why don't you recycle? And, he, and then he said this. He said, my, my son's super drama, right? Like he's, like, he's like, don't you care about me? And I was like, that's kind of a good point, right? He's like, Dad, you're ruining the earth for me. Like he said that. Like they teach that. Like, which I get. I just, yeah, I believe it now, okay? I believe it now. I just cut the church population in half. <laughs> so, 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 I, like, I get that. I and um, and he's like, Dad, you're like, you're leaving nothing for for me. And then he took it a step further. He said, "You're ruining it for my kids." <laughs> and I was like, "What is this? MTV? Pregnant in six? Like, what are you talking about? Like, kids?" He's like, Dad, about me and my kids. Like, I'm like, get out of here with your kids. Like, and uh, and true, this is a true story. And and I was like, man, what you know? Like, okay, I'll think about it, right? And so he goes. Oddly enough, I, I began to process like what he was saying to me, specifically when he was talking about his kids. It's because it's very interesting. Like, I was able to care, like, when he was like, Dad, don't you care about you and me and, like, our environment? Because for me, that resonated. Like, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. 
Because I could see that. I could see myself. I could see my son. But when he brought up kids that he didn't even have, that I couldn't even see, my initial reaction was like, you're crazy. Like, what are they teaching you at this school? See, it was hard for me to have compassion on something that I couldn't even perceive. It was hard for me to have compassion on something that I could not even see. And I began thinking about that. And I began to wonder, like, if that is one way that the enemy, the devil, Satan, however you want to name him, I wonder if that's how he works. I wonder if in order for him to to limit our ability to care for something, he associates it with us being able to see something. And so I wonder if this has, this same idea can, can, can happen when it comes to our generation and the generation's generation and the generation after that generation. Like, I wonder if, because it's hard for us to see grandkids, great-grandkids, great-great-great-grandkids, I wonder if that limits our ability to care. And I wonder what would happen if we would begin to care for a generation that we could not even see it. What would happen? See, I actually think that there's more at stake for us being blind and not caring that we really would lead up to or let up to. And so it's this ideology of, of, of caring only for what I can see. And specifically, we're talking about, I'm talking about younger generation. And it's funny because that's really, I think, the, the mindset that Jesus was trying to break past in the passage that we read at the very beginning. See, Jesus, he's hanging out with the crowds, and, and someone from the crowd is like, yo, Jesus, who's the greatest? And um, I believe that they were expecting Jesus to answer, but to answer in a way that affirmed or lifted up adults, grown-ups, older generation, people who are serving and, and actually um, giving something to society. And so they're like, Jesus, who, who's the greatest in heaven? It's probably your disciples, right, Jesus? Like, is it the lawyer, the doctor? Is it that guy right there? Is it that gal right there? God, Jesus, who's the greatest? And I wish I could have been there in this moment because Jesus, he flips the script. And Jesus, rather than saying this person or that person, we read it, he calls up a little kid. And Jesus, in this moment, he says, the greatest is this kid. I would have loved to have been in that crowd because I guarantee you they were like, oh, he did not say that. See, because this culture, this time period, everything was about older generation. It was about the, the worth, the value and the worth was defined by the age. And so when Jesus called up this little kid and was like, this is the greatest. 
would have been mind-blowing. But see, what I love about this is that what Jesus was really doing is that he was helping to shift the mindset and letting the people know the crowds that were there and those that have the opportunity to read the text that we read. What he's doing is he's allowing us and understanding and showing us that he's ascribing value to the younger generation. See, in this moment, Jesus is letting us know that God's heart beats generationally. God's heart beats not for just what he, we can see now, but his heart beats for the generation after generation after generation and after generation. And Jesus, in this moment, he's trying to, to let the readers in his audience know, hey, wake up. These young kids, they're important. They're important. And in this, in this passage, Jesus is letting us know God's heart beats generationally. And so I was reading that, and, and I've come to this, this just understanding that if it's important to Jesus, it should be important to me. And if you're here this morning and you would identify yourself as a Jesus follower or as a Christian, then if it's important to Jesus, it should probably be important to you. And so what I want us to do in our last remaining moments together is three reasons why we should think generationally. Three reasons why we should think generationally. And, and if you're here and you don't have any kids, this still applies because I think that we still have a part to play in this thing called generations. I'm going to drink to that right now. Mm. Cheers. <laughs> Better recycle that. Uh, <laughs> Woo, get a sassy. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so why do we think generationally? Uh, here's the first one. Here's the first one, okay? Number one, first reason why we should think generationally is because habits run deep. Habits run deep. Now, the Bible uh, talks about this a lot in Scripture, this idea of what the Christianese term would call uh, generational curses, right? Sounds really, ooh, right? But basically, here, for those of you that are here that aren't believers, really, that's by the way, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Um, so science has actually proven this too. They did a study at Emory, Emory University, 2014. They, they did a study where they saw that fears of, a, of, a, of mice, who are the parent mice, parent mice, Mickey, Minnie, right? Like, what are they called? I don't know. <laughs> um, how, how the parents, the mice parents, Woo! The mice parents, how they begin, they, they tried to get the mice parents to be fearful of a smell. And what they saw was that that fear of that smell, fear for the smell, and the parents' mice was passed down to their babies. And so when the babies' mice smelt that smell, even though they've never went through the shot, like they used to shot, I know, I know, Peter, whatever, like, they, they, they lightly shocked, the lightly shocked the mice, so they associated the shock with the smell, okay? So they, 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 they brought the little kid, the little mice, baby mice, 
Without the shock, they let them smell the same smell. Crazy enough, the kids became scared and fearful of that smell. If that's not the craziest part, here's the the kids, kids, kids. They smelt it. And they too were fearful of it. So if you don't believe the word and you just believe science, there's science for you as well. But the scriptures is full of this idea that habits run deep. And when we think, when we don't think generationally, we hide behind this idea and this mindset that what I do, what I struggle with only affects me. But there could be nothing further from the truth. Because habits run deep. So whatever's your the fear, anxiety that 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 is creeping up in your heart, the lust, the addiction, you look back, it probably stemmed from a generation prior. And it keeps coming on to the next generation, and the next generation. But when we begin to think generationally, we begin to understand that habits run deep. And when I understand that habits run deep, then hopefully it encourages me enough to want to address it. And so here's why I'm telling you about habits run deep. Like my, my, my goal is for you to not be like, well, this is encouraging. It looks like I screwed my kids over, right? Like that's not the goal. That's not why I'm telling you this. But the reason why I'm letting you know that habits run deep is because there is a God whose love that runs deeper than those habits that you're going through. And there is a God that wants to break off those generational things that have been passed down from one generation to the next generation. But you got to understand that that happens. And you got to understand that, that, God, if you're gonna, that, that, that God will give me strength to break those things off. See, when we think generationally, we understand this. See, so i got good news for you. For those of you who've been struggling with addictions and, and have been struggling with anxiety and depression, this is an opportunity for you to say, it stops with me. Like, it doesn't have to go to my kid. It doesn't have to go to my grandkid. I know my daddy struggled with it. I know my mom struggled with it. But I don't have to struggle with it. My kids don't have to struggle with it. Because greater is he who is in me. I'm going to stay seated so I don't preach too hard. Y'all a little quiet this morning. Come on. Habits run deep. Why do we think generationally? Because habits run deep. Here's the second thing. Second reason why we should think generationally is because potential eventually becomes present. Potential eventually becomes pregnant. Present. (laughs) Woo! Man, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. God's birthing something in the sun. Man, I remind me of growing up in church. Oh, there's a birthing in the spirit realm. Like, 
what is happening? Everyone's like, what is going on? <laughs> Placebo. Um, so, <laughs> oh my gosh. Potential eventually becomes present. So I have this really cool opportunity on Thursdays. I do music for a kindergarten, first, and second grade. And we just, sing, we just sing songs like Baby Beluga and like just things like that. And it's amazing because they're so young and they're so happy. And maybe some of their lives are rough right there. But it has nothing. It doesn't compare to what's about to happen in their life. Right? And so like I'm playing music for them and they're just singing it up. And like really like for me, I, I think about the idea that Maybe one day when they get older and they're like in high school and we run into each other at Rayleigh's. That was very specific, huh? <laughs> Safeway. Not the one in Rona Park, though. That's another story. So we run, we run into each other at, uh, at Rayleigh's or wherever and they go, Mr. John, guess what? I'm, I picked up the guitar and I'm playing in a band now. Like, I remember when you came and I was little and, and I would always go, like, all the kindergartners are always like this. And they're like, they're like I remember you doing this and, and I started, I wanted to play guitar. And, like, I, I picture this in my head so that when I'm playing with it, playing for them during, during the school, that I'm not seeing them as little kids. But I'm seeing the potential that can be, see, when you think generationally, when you, when you think generationally, it's giving you the ability to see things not as they are, but what they can be. And so when I think generationally, when I see all of our amazing college students and I see amazing high school students and I see like the little kids and, and, and I see all the mommies with the baby bumps, like I, I, I don't, I can't see them. When I think generationally, I can't see them as little kids. I got to see them as what they eventually will become, what God's eventually has called them to be. See, I'm under the impression that, that, our gener that, that, that high school and college students and even little kids, that they're not looking for us to speak and to see what we see, but they're looking and waiting for us to speak what we believe God wants to do. And there's a drastic difference in that. See, when my kid acts up, I don't tell him, man, you're bad and you're evil. I affirm him like, hey, that's not what God wants you to do. Because I don't, I need to speak into existence what I see, what God sees. This is actually biblical. The Spirit of God at the creation, the beginning of time, God, God spoke existence into Adam. And that same spirit that spoke existence lives in me, has the potential to live in you. And so therefore I have the ability to speak not what I see, but what I believe God wants to do. There's a generation that needs us. There's a generation that needs us. There's a story in Luke chapter 8 
uh, Jesus, he's, he's doing ministry, and this guy Jairus comes, and he's like, Jesus, my daughter, my only daughter is sick, and she's dying. While he's talking to Jesus, some people from Jairus' Jair, house comes, and, and it's like, hey, we just want to let you know that your daughter just died. As a father, he breaks, right? And Jesus, he has, this, he has this ability to say things that are so not PC and that seem so wrong in the moment because Jesus, he's like, hey, don't worry. She's not dead. She's asleep. And I think the generations that are coming before us need people to see with eyes of not death but are asleep and the ability to speak into that. Come on, potential eventually becomes present. And here's the last one, and then we're going to end. And the final reason why we should think generationally, and it stems with the verse that we read in 1 Samuel, chapter 3 and verse 7, where it said, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. See, here's what you need to understand about Samuel. He was a young boy who his parents had dropped him off to, to be part, to, to learn the priestly duties and ways. And here's Samuel. His parents had dedicated him to the temple, dedicated him to the work of, of God, and yet he still did not know the Lord. See, for any of you that, that look at generations, you, you would know this to be true, that starting from generation X, moving down to generation Y, or the millennials, moving to the next generation of Gen Z, and then the next one's called Gen Alpha. One thing that is staggering is that as generations Start and they get younger, their belief in, in faith in Jesus goes down. And so they thought, studies thought, people who, who make the polls, they thought the millennials were the most godless generation. Only to find out the next generation, Gen Z, even a higher percentage of them are like, nah, religion, I don't need it. And here's why that's staggering and so important for us to know. It's because with all the great things that come with, with, with the hope who's in Jesus, like we preach Jesus all the time, if this is your first time here, we preach Jesus, we love Jesus, we think Jesus is the hope that you're looking for. But on top of all that, maybe the greatest thing that comes through a relationship with Jesus is understanding purpose. And here is the problem. As generations continue to decline with their ability and willingness to love God, is they become like Samuel. 
as they get older, they feel like something is calling them. They feel like there's an emptiness. They feel like something is not right. But because they're not familiar with the voice of God, they have a hard time to decipher what is happening, what is taking place. And so we're going to end up with a generation of, of young people, of kids now, but we'll eventually be running our 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 whole economic system and our whole structure, government structure, that they start off young now, but eventually they're going to grow up with this thing inside of them, like, man, I've reached the pinnacle of success. I've, I have money. I have cars. I have everything that I could ever want, and yet there's still something missing inside of me. Statistically, after the age of 18, the chances of someone 18 or over finding a relationship with Jesus dramatically drops. So I'm telling you this because now is the time that we begin to see the young generation, not as what they will be, but what they are now, and begin to invest in them and begin to pour in their lives. See, Samuel, he eventually had Eli. And Eli was a, he, he had this amazing ability to pour into Samuel and, and say, Samuel, the voice that's, 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 that's stirring inside of you, it's God. Samuel had Eli. And I know what you're thinking because I think this too. Like, what do I have to offer? What can I do? I got my own issues. This is why I love Eli, Eli the priest, okay? Because he had issues too. Eli the priest, the one that helped Samuel realize purpose. Eli the priest was the one where God said, Eli, your kids are wicked. You did a horrible job parenting. God used that, Eli. The text in 1 Samuel says that Eli, or yeah, Eli, that he was old of age, that his eyes were heavy, that he couldn't see. He's lived a life. And God still used him. Here's good news for you and me. That God can still use you. No matter age, young or old. No matter state of mind, whether you're tired or full of energy. And here's the best part about Eli. He actually failed a couple times. Two times before we read in verse 7. Two times. Samuel heard God's voice. Samuel, Samuel. Two times he went to Eli and he's like, Eli, did you call me? And Eli's like, no, it's indigestion. Two times. The third time, Eli, Samuel was like, Eli, did you call me? And at that moment, even though Eli messed up twice, and the third time, third, third time's a charm, that third time, Eli was like, you know what, Samuel? Maybe that's God calling. 
come on, our generation and the generations after, they need Eli's that are not perfect, but they're willing. They're not, they're, they're, my doorbell's ringing. They're not perfect, but they're willing to be used by God. See, discovery, discovery is called to be a generational church. To reach the generations. But we need some Eli's. We need some people who are willing to say, hey, I will step up. I'll pour into this generation. And so this morning, as Jesus modeled a life of generosity for the young people, it's a reflection that we too begin to model that. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.